Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 88. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, The Documentary Life Podcast, and The Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Hi, Chris. This is Josh Davidsberg from documentary, upcoming documentary, Queen of the Capital. Just had a question. We're starting to plan out our uh, festival. Wondering if you had any advice for festival strategy. Love what you guys do. Keep doing it. Thanks a lot. This is the first sort of official usage of the TDL hotline, which we went live with a few weeks back. It is from Doc Lifer Josh Davidsberg. Josh has been a longtime listener of the show, and he's also someone who has been a very, very active member in the TDL community Facebook group. Over the past year, Josh has been working hard and talking about his doc film, Queen of the Capital, and we've all been keenly watching its progress, which included a successful Seed and Spark campaign, which has seemed to, to really have given Josh and his film the boost that it deserves. And now, as you've just heard from Josh, he is putting together a strategy for film festivals, which has now inspired the topic for today's program, five tips for your film festival strategy. So thank you, Josh, for the continued inspiration to us all. And thank you, Doc Lifer, for tuning into today's episode. When we get back from a quick word from our sponsor, we're actually going to quickly check in with another Doc Lifer who has inspired us earlier this year. He is a young filmmaker from Cornwall in the UK. His name is Luther. You may remember him. If not, you soon will. That and our five tips for your film festival strategy coming up next here on The Documentary Life. If you're anything like me, you appreciate a good checklist. I've got all kinds of checklists in my life. Every night, I'm creating my to-do list for the next day. Whenever we go camping, I have a camping checklist. Whenever I go out on a shoot, I have a checklist with all of the gear, shots, and B-roll that I'll need. So one day, I thought to myself, why not some kind of checklist for doc filmmakers? And so I came up with one. It's called the Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist, and it's completely free to any doc filmmaker who wants to learn the essential aspects of making a documentary film in the modern day industry. I am all about empowering documentary filmmakers, and this course does just that. It is my sincere hope that this free course will help make your doc film's journey truly the exhilarating and rewarding experience that it can and should be. Enroll today for free by going to thedocumentarylife.com slash courses. Back in March of this year, I believe it was episode number 66, I read an email from a listener on the air. It was from 16-year-old Luther Clayton from Cornwall in the UK. Luther, or the young filmmaker as he's better known as by his YouTube followers, he's been making adventure-slash-nature documentaries. His videos have been watched by literally tens of thousands of people the world over. A quick read of some of the comments left by his viewers gives you a quick idea of how much he's followed and loved for what he's doing. 
Luther's email thanked me for having the podcast, which gave him weekly inspiration on his bus ride to school, so that once the weekend came, he was out and about shooting his docks. This lovely letter also contains some words of encouragement for any dock lifers out there who might be hesitant to get started on their own first projects. This episode generated a fair amount of response from listeners who were taken by the words of young Luther. His work and words were inspiring even to other dock lifers who were well experienced in the art of dock filmmaking. Honestly, it was really something seeing the response his email received. And so this week... I decided to reconnect with the young filmmaker and see how things have been going since we'd last checked in with him in March of this past year. And this is what he had to say. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was back in March that I sent that email. Okay. So it, it has been quite a while. But yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing Excellent. absolutely awesome. <laughs> Excellent. It, it's, it, it's, it's nice to, to connect via, via uh, the voice. It's nice to sort of meet you in this sense. Luther, since the last time we talked, what's been happening for you? How has your doc journey been? Give us a quick update. Well, it's uh, been quite interesting because uh, recently I just finished my sort of last year of school. So I haven't been able to be, you know, that into the doc life. I haven't been creating as much content and documentaries and pre-production and all, all that sort of stuff for a while. So I've been doing a lot of school, doing the, the exams and everything. But within the past month, I've um, completely finished with that. So I'm actually working on quite a few projects. I've got sort of three passion projects, um, some, you know, two, two of those are small. One is a big feature length documentary. Oh, wow. um, and then I'm also uh, working with a national park, um, Dartmoor National Park here in the UK. And I'm going to be making them a little short documentary about, about their, their park. So that's what's going on with me. <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know, Luther makes primarily films, certainly in the outdoors. Why don't you give us a snapshot of the kind of kind of films that you do do, Luther, as well as a website that we can go to? Well, in, in general, I want to inspire, if, if not inspire filmmakers, uh, inspire any anyone from any age range to get outside, to um, in, enjoy the outdoors um, and appreciate the outdoors and also keep it keep the environment clean and keep it um, keep it safe for everyone to enjoy. So I'm filming these um, documentaries or short videos on my YouTube channel, um, which goes by the name of The Young Filmmaker. And I share I share the message out there to inspire others to get outside and have a healthy life and take care of our environment. I love it, man. I love it. And we'll go ahead and put the link to your YouTube channel up in the show notes, of course, for this episode. And again, if anybody wants to go back and listen to uh, the the email that I had uh, referenced earlier that I'd had with Luther, that's back in episode 66. Luther, what's been some of your biggest challenges with your doc filmmaking journey, and then perhaps getting people into the outdoors? Yeah, okay. That's, um, I, I, obviously, I've had so many big challenges um, along the way that it's really hard to categorize them or like sort of decide on what's the biggest one. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think, well, currently with some of my projects that I'm doing now, I think it's mainly how to engage, engage a viewer to really get the message. So uh, I, I feel like a lot of older viewers, um, people who've either watched my content for a long time are, and are invested into my, into my videos, mm -hmm. films or documentaries, um, they will, you know, watch the whole thing and be, be very present whilst watching it. But I feel like newer people or younger people with very, maybe it's a sort of general idea, maybe a stigma about young people, but 
I do think we have younger children especially have short attention spans Mm. and they don't really want to be sitting through really long documentaries so I think the hardest part uh, about inspiring people through my through my films is getting the stylistic choice right for the film so a, a, a style of of film that will keep their attention but also be sticking to my creative abilities and and what my creativity and um getting the message across we have a two and a four-year-old and in particular flynn our four-year-old uh, he can't get enough of the outdoors and yeah. as a lot of four-year-old boys can be uh, he does sometimes have a shorter attention span and he has a lot of energy and getting him as often as we can into the outdoors is extremely helpful for all involved mm. <laughs> yeah and uh, he just really really loves it and takes to it uh luther Let's let's Luther. Let's talk a little bit about your introduction to the podcast, to the documentary life. Yeah. How and when did you first start listening to it, and how would you say the show has helped you in your own mm. doc life? Okay, so how did I find the podcast? I think it was about probably just under a year ago, or maybe over a year ago. I'm not too sure, but I was so yeah. Last year, this sort of time of year, last year, I was making my first documentary series. So I've been doing YouTube videos for a while, wow. and I wasn't really interested in the whole vlog sort of scene video blog scene um which are kind of like short documentaries documentaries or or short videos about about your life or your adventure but i wanted to make a big doc series so i i went out and did it so i made this series called the adventure diaries and then when i got back and I, i completely finished that project i got really interested in how bigger and more professional documentaries were made mm and what the what the real process is like because for me it was just putting myself out in a situation and kind of being like a journalist so when I made that first doc I was kind of like a journalist going around documenting what I saw more of a observational filmmaker but I wanted to learn what the more professional shoots were like so I I was probably looking for some more media about it and I came across the podcast and um, for a while, actually, um, it was sort of my entertainment and my education <laughs> for many days as I caught the bus to school. So <laughs> as I was on the bus, <laughs> I would uh, plug in the headphones and, and listen to this podcast. And man, it was a joy because finally finding something that really brings community um, as well as education to the whole filmmaking area is yeah. is so great. And specifically being part of community for documentary filmmakers, I thought that was incredible and as the months have gone on um and i've really decided that documentary filmmaking is kind of the route i want to go i think i i I can't express enough how grateful i am for this podcast so and and the community so it's it's so great but in terms of helping me with my own doc life yes it's inspired me to sort of pursue this this route maybe for a while for my career well my filmmaking career um, but I think the biggest thing is maybe the inspiration and sort of motivation and, and confidence in myself as a filmmaker. And strangely enough, I think also as a person that this podcast has given me that confidence as a person um, in everyday life, um, since making documentary films is you know, largely about how you interact with the environment you're in, sort of the people you meet and the situations um, that you see yourself in. So in that regard, the podcast has been that backbone to the mindset that I have when I enter different situations. So, yeah. 
Well, Luther, we are honored and elated to have you a part of the doc filmmaking community and uh, are very excited to see the work that you'll be doing, hopefully for years to come. Again, I'll go ahead and put links uh, in the show notes for this episode to some of your works. Luther Clayton, a.k.a. The Young Filmmaker, what a pleasure. You're doing brilliant work, and thank you so much for listening to the program, and thank you so much for making the films that you're doing and uh, for inspiring other people like yourself. Well, I seriously, I can't express how much of a blessing it is to be able to listen to the podcast and now, you know, get involved. And and that thing about people sending the email, you know, that just reflects the community that you have built with the Doc Life podcast. So, so thank you for having me on, Chris. Right on. Get out there and keep making great films. Thanks again, Luther. Thanks a lot. Good stuff there from Doc Lifer Luther Clayton. Do check out his work when you can. If you'd like to write me here at TDL, maybe you've got a question or two for me or or a topic suggestion or a guest whom you'd like us to have on the show, you can always email me directly at chris at barongfilms.com. And that's B-A-R-A-N-G-F-I-L-M-S, Barong Films. And for those Doc Lifers whom a quick phone call might be a little bit easier, of course, we now have the TDL hotline. And the number for that is 1-828-419-4845. Give us a ring. We'd love to perhaps highlight some of you on the show. So feel free to leave us a question, or give us some feedback, or you can even share a little bit about your own Doc Life. We'd love to be sharing some of these emails and voice messages right here on the show, as we've already done here in the early going for this episode. All of this, of course, is a way in which we can all stay better connected to one another's doc lives. Another great way is to jump into our free TDL Community Facebook group. I mentioned that earlier when I was referencing uh, Josh. If you haven't already done so, I do highly recommend it. It's a great way to share ideas, share projects, pick up some nice tips or some recommendations for your doc filmmaking and doc living. And like I said, it is totally free. I'll put a link to the TDL Community Facebook group up in the show notes for this episode. And of course, you can easily search for it in Facebook yourself as well. When we continue with today's show, and again, this is directly inspired by fellow doc lifer Josh Davidsberg's use of the TDL hotline, we're going to take a look at five tips for your film festival strategy. I know that a number of you have recently finished up on your docs or are very close to doing so. This episode is obviously going to be very appropriate for you. However, I'd also argue that this is appropriate for all of you who are even just beginning your doc films, as a film festival strategy is something we should all be considering well before our films are actually completed. And those tips are just around the corner here on The Documentary Life. If you're anything like me, you appreciate a good checklist. I've got all kinds of checklists in my life. Every night, I'm creating my to-do list for the next day. Whenever we go camping, I have a camping checklist. Whenever I go out on a shoot, I have a checklist with all of the gear, shots, and B-roll that I'll need. So one day, I thought to myself, why not some kind of checklist for doc filmmakers? And so I came up with one. It's called the Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist, and it's completely free to any doc filmmaker who wants to learn the essential aspects of making a documentary film in the modern day industry. I am all about empowering documentary filmmakers, and this course does just that. 
it is my sincere hope that this free course will help make your doc film's journey truly the exhilarating and rewarding experience that it can and should be. Enroll today for free by going to thedocumentarylife.com slash courses. The film festival circuit can be a tricky, daunting task, even for the fairly seasoned doc filmmaker. But for the first-time filmmaker, it can either scare you right away from doing it all, or it can cost you an arm and a leg in submission fees alone. My first exposure to the film festival thing was with the film Bomb Hunters, a film that I edited. I was by no means involved with the festival strategy for Bomb Hunters since I was not the director of the film, but because I'd spent so much time working on the film in Cambodia and then being hired to edit the film afterwards, I had a keen interest in how the film would do in the film festival circuit. So I tried to keep up on the various festivals and distribution for the film. It was during the making of my first doc, Journey to Kathmandu, that I learned much more about film festivals. Actually, it wasn't during the making of the film. It was more like after the making of the film, as in a long time after, which was my first mistake and my first tip right out of the gate which is to form your strategy very early on. And you hear this one all the time from filmmakers, although I apparently wasn't listening. And it was to the detriment of my festival strategy, for sure. The idea here isn't so much to tailor your film's content in a way during the making of it, so that it will be included in various festivals, which was part of my initial hesitation. The idea is more to be taking a look at various festival timelines. In other words, know when the festivals that you'd like to submit to when they're going to be accepting submissions. If Sundance, for example, is your number one priority, which by the way, I don't think it should be, but we'll get to that in a minute, then it's not going to do you any good to finish editing your film in October when submissions are being taken from early August to mid-September, which is when they're doing uh, when they're taking submissions as of the recording of this episode in 2018. If you'd finished up editing on your film in October, you'd have to wait an entire calendar year just for the opportunity to submit your film to Sundance. And this will greatly inhibit the release of your film anywhere for the next year. Forming a strategy early on, it just kind of gives you a guideline and a timeline that you can be thinking of all the way back in your early pre-production stages even. Think of it as kind of putting down something in your calendar, a goal if you will, that you want to meet. When you write down a commitment into a calendar, you will do absolutely everything in your power possible to make that goal happen. Conversely, if you kind of just have a loose idea of when and how you'd like to make a goal happen, it makes it easy to keep pushing it out as various things come up, which of course they always do. So forming your festival strategy early on, it'll allow you to constantly be aware of your timeline on your project. Number two, build a festival database. It's important that once you've decided on a number of festivals that you start building a database. We have a simple Excel spreadsheet that we use that includes the festivals that you want to potentially submit to, what kinds of films they take, when their deadline is, um, a contact person for the festival, and the best way to submit to it. This is a wonderful way to be starting to track your film festival strategy. I cannot stress enough the importance of keeping a database like this. Get all of these items down on paper. 
Don't try and remember when target dates are for certain festivals. First off, you won't remember them. And secondly, it's not enough information. Less information, it discourages you from researching other important information that you may need later on. You know, the kind of information that could keep your film from qualifying for a particular festival, for example. You should always be researching each and every festival that you think that you might want to apply to. And by keeping this festival database while you're doing your research, you won't have to try and remember the festival off the top of your head. And you also won't have to do the research all over again because you'll already have written down all pertinent information. Number three, find the festivals that fit your film. So maybe I don't need to say this. Either you've already known this or you've already gleaned this from what I've been saying. Don't just simply submit to every festival that is out there. You need to find the festivals that are appropriate for your film. First of all, if you haven't read a particular festival's guidelines and you, you say apply with your sports doc to a festival that specializes in environmental docs, then unless you have a doc that's about a sports star or a particular sports celebrity who's a big proponent of, I don't know, electric cars or something, then there's really no point of submitting your film for consideration to this particular festival. Your doc will probably not even be watched. You've wasted your time, the festival's time, and anywhere from, you know, probably 25 to 100 US dollars in submission fees. After going through all of a festival's guidelines, take a look at the festival's programming from the prior couple of years. This can give you a nice feel for the types of films that the festival likes to run in its programming. And do not overlook very topic-specific festivals. These festivals, they might offer the perfect niche for your film. Chris Gore, who wrote the Ultimate Film Festival Survival Guide, says, It's sometimes better to be the toast of a smaller festival than be overlooked at a larger festival. And by the way, speaking of Chris Gore, are there any doc lifers out there who remember the print magazine from the 90s called Film Threat? Man, I miss that magazine. That was a pretty sweet publication. Moving on to number four, get the word out. As in, get the word out about your film at festivals. You cannot count on the festival to do this, nor should you. To be fair, they have a lot going on, what with, you know, putting on an entire festival and all. It's great that they selected your film to be a part of programming, but they don't have the time to promote your film alone when they might have, I don't know, maybe 50 other films that are playing their festival as well. So take a minute, pat yourself on the back for getting into the festival, share the good news with your family and friends and your social media following, and please do not tell me that you don't have a social media following, and then get to work promoting your screening. Get people to your film. Fill those seats. There's nothing lamer than playing a festival and then no one actually goes to see your film. It's just generally a sad thing in the world to have a film being projected in an empty theater. Like this thought, it makes me very sad. I've been to those screenings where I'm like one of two people in, in attendance. My heart literally hurts for the filmmaker, especially if he or she happens to be in attendance or is giving a Q&A afterwards. Do what you can to pack the proverbial house. Use your social media platforms. Send out to your email lists. Look for Facebook groups in the town where your film will be presented. Hang posters on telephone poles. I'm serious about that one, by the way. Don't laugh. I've done it, and they do get seen depending on where you place them. Hand out postcards about your film during the festival, and meet people face-to-face -face and encourage them to come out and see your film. 
Look, the more people that see your film, the more people that see your film. And the more the opportunity for creating a buzz around your film. And believe me, the festival will appreciate your efforts. Remember, you're not just promoting your film, you're promoting their festival. And if you do fill seats, I'll bet the festival is going to remember that the next time you submit to them. Number five, be smart about your premiere. It's very important that you take seriously where and how your film will premiere. A film's premiere is gold for festivals, especially the big ones. Festivals want to be able to lay claim to the premiering of films. If you premiered your film at a local festival, then we're able to maybe get into Tribeca later on, but then Tribeca finds out you've already premiered at another festival, forget about it. You've lost out on your Tribeca festival. Drea Clark, who is a programmer for the Los Angeles Film Festival and Slamdance, says, A lot of filmmakers, especially if they're new to the game, don't realize how important premiere status is. Taking the time to figure out where you're going to debut, both domestically and internationally, is essential. You want the best possible launching pad for your film. If you don't get into one of the major marketplace fests, it's imperative to research other options to figure out which of the lesser-known festivals would be a great premiere home for you based on the audience, press, and industry members they attract. All right, Mr. Josh, and of course, every Doc Lifer who's listened to the episode, I hope that some of these tips were helpful to you and your film, Queen of the Capital. And remember, if you'd like to see what I've talked about here in written form, I'll be posting these up in the show notes for this particular episode, which can be found by going to our website at thedocumentarylife.com. Also, you may have some festival strategy tips yourself, and if so, we'd love to hear about them. You can either write me an email at chris at barongfilms.com, or remember, you can always also call and leave a voicemail via the TDL hotline, as our friend Josh did, and that number again is 1-828-419-4845. Cool. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Documentary Life. I do want to say that we've been booking some amazing guests for the next couple of months, including next week's guest, Bing Liu. Bing's documentary film, Minding the Gap, has become the best-reviewed documentary film of 2018. The New York Times, Chicago Tribune, and skateboarding legend Tony Hawk, they're all raving about this film. And on Rotten Tomatoes, or Tomatoes, it's currently maintaining a 100% approval rating. Minding the Gap is currently playing theaters as well as Hulu, so be sure to check it out before next week's episode with director Bing Liu. All right, until next time, I remain your host, Chris G. Parkhurst. Have an outstanding week, Doc Lifer. Don't forget, if you're interested in a guide to help you navigate the fundamental aspects of doc filmmaking, the things that every doc filmmaker should know, then get our free doc filmmaking course, The Documentary Filmmaker's Essential Checklist, by going to thedocumentarylife.com courses. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.